Eufy is sponsoring today's video. They reached out to me. I tested out their video lock. It is a game changer. I'm going to paint a picture for you for why I'm so excited to work with them. So you're getting home. Your arms are loaded with groceries or packages or boxes or everything. And your keys are in your pocket. This drives me nuts. This happens all the time. I upgraded to the Eufy video lock. Fingerprint tap i'm inside and honestly i also feel way safer it's got this awesome built-in camera so whether it's a package delivery or late night uber order i see exactly who's there right from my phone there are no more mystery knocks and the best part this thing was such a breeze to set up there's no wires there's no drilling uh, there's also no monthly subscription fees so if you are done fumbling with your keys because i definitely am search for eufy video lock or head over to eufyofficial.com slash video lock your front door, your sanity. Welcome to Success Story, the most useful podcast in the world. I'm Scott D. Clary, and today I'm sitting down with Aubrey Strobel, who is the head of communications at Lolly. Lolly is a platform that allows you to collect Bitcoin while you shop, very similar to how Honey, if you've ever used it, allows you to apply coupons while you shop online. So Aubrey is the one who crafted the take-to-market strategy the marketing, the comms, the PR, everything that created the massive market penetration and share that Lolly has today. They're one of the most notable consumer-focused Bitcoin, crypto, blockchain brands. So we're going to dive into uh, Aubrey's origin story, how she got involved in crypto and blockchain and Bitcoin. We're going to speak about what she's done with Lolly, some of the strategies that she's deployed. And then we're also going to speak about the future of Bitcoin, blockchain, and decentralized technology. This episode has also been sponsored by Gusto and Ladder. Gusto is your one-stop shop for all payroll solutions. Ladder is redefining how you purchase life insurance. They have special offers for all Success Story podcast listeners. Stick around until halfway through the show. You're going to get those special offers. All right, let's jump right into it. This is Aubrey Strobel, Head of Communications at Lolly. So both of these sponsors have offers for all Success Story podcast listeners. Stick around until about halfway and you'll get those offers. I really hope you enjoy the show. Thanks again for joining me today. I'm sitting down with Aubrey Strobel, who is the head of communications at Lolly, platform where you earn free Bitcoin while shopping online. She discovered crypto back in 2016. We're going to go into her crypto and career origin story. She worked for a few different blockchain projects while wrapping up a journalism degree. She is a regular contributor to Coindesk. She has had her work, uh, and if I'm not mistaken, an op-ed featured by NBC. She speaks globally on crypto and blockchain uh, and DeFi, of course. And really, Lolly and Aubrey are household names in the crypto space. And Aubrey has done an amazing job of building a community around yourself and, and Lolly. So thank you for joining me. Very excited to dive into your origin story, how you got involved in blockchain, what you're doing at Lolly. And then we can go into some more uh, relevant industry conversation about it. But thank you for joining me. Great. Thanks for having me on. No, I'm glad uh, to be here. No, my pleasure. My pleasure. Um, I've seen you all over Twitter. So obviously you're, you know, you're marketing well, you're, you're doing your job well, but let's back it up and, uh, and walk me through how you got involved in Lolly, how you got involved in blockchain, just your, your origin story. Yeah, I, you know, blockchain, crypto, all these terms we're talking about still, I think even in 2021 in this, in this bull market, 
which is maybe tapering off into a bear market now, are still kind of confusing to a lot of people. And so I, I hopefully will keep it relatively like in the lane. But, um, you know, I got into Bitcoin in 2016, had some friends that were actually working on Wall Street that were buying crypto. And, you know, when, when you have the traditional finance guys buying crypto, you know, who are usually these like proponents of ETFs and stocks and all sorts of things like that, it is sort of a signal as like something's shifting here. Is there something that I should be paying closer attention to? And so I think when I did my own research and looked into crypto, I saw a great need for why, why don't we have 24 seven trading? It's such an archaic system. A lot of, you know, why are banks closed? Why don't people have access to their own capital anytime that they want? And, um, you know, for me, I think, you know, freedom is, is a value that I hold very near and dear, um, you know, as an American. And I feel like that has been democratized in terms of the internet. Um, but hasn't, hadn't really been done in finance. And it was just sort of like, why isn't this happening? Um, and I think that always stems back to there's, there's too much power, um, in certain, certain institutions, um, people that they don't, they don't want people to have an easy access to capital. And so, uh, got into Bitcoin, bought Bitcoin actually at a Bitcoin ATM down, uh, on this, by the Staten Island ferry, which is sort of a weird way to get involved because most people just buy up in exchange, but, Bought, bought Bitcoin um, out of a Bitcoin ETM and then just kept buying, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, other tokens and wasn't quite sure about like the future, which, you know, people, they get in, they say, what should I buy? What should I buy? And really, I was just drawn to Bitcoin because of the, the foundational elements, the scarcity. There will only be 21 million Bitcoin ever created. And that makes it sort of like a digital gold compared to, you know, um, some other cryptocurrencies that can be mined uh, continuously, like Dogecoin. You know, I'm sure people who watch your show have heard of it or have some awareness of this like Shiba Inu dog token. Um, but, you know, the, the reason that crypto is great or Bitcoin is great is because it has that, that scarcity uh, component to it and that there is no way to create more Bitcoin. So um, unlike, you know, what's happening right now in America with inflation and, and in many countries around the world, this is sort of a problem to fix not only the ease and accessibility to capital, but also um, hopefully, you know, a hedge against inflation from governments. And so that's sort of what drew me in from the beginning. Yeah. But um, I I got my start at a crypto PR firm uh, and that's sort of how I got in, in the door and, and kind of moved there to Lolly. That, so that's a, first of all, that's a very prolific thought. If you were just, so this is, you, you, you were in a journalism degree and, and you just went down the rabbit hole. Like you, you totally went down the rabbit hole and, and that's what shaped your entire career. Um, it's just, I always find it interesting how people, how their careers form, because obviously I'm assuming when you went into journalism, um, you did not expect to end up in, in crypto at all or blockchain, but you just sort of gravitated towards that. And, and built on it. And I appreciate also the the sort of the definition and the explanation because you're right. Uh, crypto blockchain, if you're in it, it feels like the entire world gets it. But if you're not in it, um, it's still, you know, it's still very foreign. Uh, and I think that that's actually not to go jump into Lolly just yet, but I think that that's actually why Lolly is so interesting because it's bridging that gap between this complex new concept almost that people have to understand and then something that they can actually use versus yeah. 
you know, when you go, when you, when you are in a group of technical people who get blockchain, who have bought into crypto early on, those aren't the, those aren't the average people that you really want to get to adopt the, adopt Bitcoin, blockchain, whatever, right? You want to get the moms, the dads, the grandparents to adopt it. But anyway, yeah. sorry, I didn't mean to go off track there. I just thought it was an interesting point you made about how it's, it, it hasn't been fully adopted. Um, and that's, that's something that you, that, that sort mm -hmm. of like brought you into it. So continue, continue, um, keep going with, with your story. So how did you, you know, you started looking into crypto, you got involved in it. Uh, you worked for a crypto PR firm, you said, and that was, which one was that? Well, I, I like to go back to the, the, the point about you made about getting into journalism. And I think yeah. coming into crypto, uh, a lot of people who go into journalism sort of go in for this like altruism of hoping to shed light on broken systems. And so, or, or injustices or try to be a watchdog for the public is sort of how I at least saw journalism and having a degree in that, you know, my parents were teachers and that was sort of like a service uh, based profession, educating people in a classroom. I wanted to educate people at large and, I had the opportunity to do that. I had you know, an offer from Fox and ABC to be a broadcast journalist. And for different reasons, both of them, one of them I turned down, one didn't work out. And I, I'm actually really grateful. I think some of those things that happen early on in your career, uh, you know, you, you look at them at the time and you're like, oh, this would have been really great. I wish this would have worked out. And I think it's really the best thing that could have happened uh, for me. And so I, I got into crypto through talking to my friends, but then I saw an opportunity to work at a PR firm to sort of share this story and educate people about Bitcoin because I did think it was a very large problem and a problem that I could help solve or be a voice for. So I worked at Waxman for over two and a half years working on projects that were just way too early. It was just way too early. Even now it's so early. And I think when you're in the industry, you want to shake people and you're like, this is the future because of these reasons. Um, I hope, you know, you can see that too, but people, every people right now, you know, they're just trying and the, the mainstream group of people, they're just trying to take care of their kids, pay their bills. They, they're not looking out, you know, much more beyond that. There's a lot of Americans that don't even have more than a few hundred bucks in their account. They don't even have a savings account in their checking account. And so to say to this future of finance and, and these terms and, you know, that we throw around and these DeFi and blockchain and all these different terminologies, people, the, the normal person just doesn't have time mm -hmm. to really sit there and figure that out. And that is why Lolly is great. Um, and, you know, when I was introduced to Alex Edelman, the CEO of Lolly, and he pitched me this idea, I, I said, this is where we're at in the market. This is where we are at in the cycle. We're not doing these ICOs or initial coin offerings that I was working on or security token platforms just yet. I think we need to get people comfortable with holding and owning Bitcoin and sort of this idea of being their own bank first. Mm -hmm. And Lolly allows people to do that in a very easy way. Not everyone sees themselves as an investor. They see themselves um, as a shopper, though. I, I think most people have are accustomed to shopping online. And so that that bridge is a, is a easier bridge to get people over. And so however we can get Bitcoin people's wallets, however we can get people owning Bitcoin is a good thing for me. I don't, I don't care how that takes place. You know, if, if they're buying it on exchange, it's not, it's the same thing if you're earning it or if you're mining it. So uh, Lolly was like 
a project that I thought I could really get people, the moms and dads, the aunts and uncles into the door with. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, meeting Alex was just like, you know, the most random thing. I had a friend that was working at Barstool who had, I guess, heard what Alex was building and said, you got to talk to this guy, put us on a text thread. And Alex said, let's jump on a call today. Jumped on a call, pitched him what I would do for Lolly. And then sort of the rest was history, honestly. He was like, this is what I want to build. I was like, I know what you want to build. Let's do it. And we've been, I've been there, been at Lolly for two years next month. So, well, it's almost next month. It's, <laughs> it's it's, so so it's, it's, worked, it's worked out. Um, so, so Lolly seems to be the, so you're, 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 your raison d'être, like your your the thing that drives you, your why, it makes a lot of sense. Lolly is is the vehicle to do that. And I, I guess my question is is are there other platforms that are that you see that are bridging that gap in your opinion, or do you feel like Lolly is? And I know there's going to be other other things, but like having a true market share, market presence like Lolly that are really enabling the average non technical not entrenched person in blockchain to to understand and start to use and just get comfortable with the concept or is lolly somewhat leading the way in this because i i haven't seen many that do what lolly does and like you i love how you said that it taps into something that everybody's already doing anyways yeah i would say lolly is leading the charge it is one of the biggest crypto companies in the space and i think because we're not after just bitcoiners it's not just a Bitcoin club anymore. It's getting, it really is getting every single person possible in. If you look at um, similar companies like Honey, which was acquired by PayPal for $4 billion, very successful company. They have, I think it's 30 million users to their platform. That's more than any crypto company has. I think Coinbase has 30, 30 million signups. And I don't know how many active wallets because a lot of people have left their yeah. crypto on their exchanges and and don't daily trade. And there's there's a lot of crypto just sitting that will always sit because people forgot about, you know, whatever their password is or or just have not downloaded the app, forgot about it. Um, but we're really after people earning every single day. And, and Lolly actually allows you to earn Bitcoin every single day, not just even by shopping. If we just launched the app, you can tap this sort of treasure chest loot box and it gives you free Bitcoin. You win, you know, it's a, it's a few Satoshis. Satoshis are the pennies to the dollar. So, you know, it's, it's not convenient. Obviously, you can't, Bitcoin's worth around $32,000 right now. It's not convenient to trade in one Bitcoin if you're thinking about it, you know. So Bitcoin is divisible by many other units. And so you can earn these Satoshis or fractions of Bitcoin on Lolly every single day, which makes it in a more active wallet than Coinbase or perhaps any of these larger exchanges because people are just finding ways to make it a part of their daily behavior of accruing money. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's sort of um, a way that it's becoming a part of people's everyday life that they can track the price of Bitcoin. And it's sort of that thing when you get skin in the game, then you want to know what the price is doing. Once yeah. you have ownership, then you care. And you're now you're tracking it. Now you're talking to your friends about it. And hopefully that's what Lolly is achieving in some capacity with our app. So that's launched. Yeah, no, that 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 makes sense to me. Now I'm I'm also very curious. You did have you did have a, a journalism background. Um you were working in, in PR to some extent, but 
you have this founder who wants to take a product to market that realistically has never been done before. What I'm curious what the pitch was and what the strategy was to make this successful because you, you, you've done it well. So, you know, what's the marketing play for a brand new crypto blockchain project to take it to market? Well, I'd say everyone's sort of trying to do what we're doing now. Um, when, when we launched in 2018, I think that the crypto companies were trying to take themselves very seriously because they, they didn't have that validity. They didn't, no one really tried it. It was sort of like a joke still. You know, crypto was what silly internet people were doing. Um, and even now, I mean, there's, there's people still probably feel the same way for a, a large part. Um, so a lot of these crypto companies really try to dress themselves up, act like banks. And that's exactly what we were trying to get away from. We're not trying to be banks anymore. We're trying to have this idea of freedom. And so I think really leaning into what makes you unique, no matter what that may be, is that your personal brand, is that your company brand? Um, and Lolly just never took itself seriously. I mean, its name is Lolly. It's, it's funny. It should be comfortable. It should feel like approachable, you know, and that we want to be the approachable bank, not the bank that shuts down on you for Columbus Day for any reason that you can't access your funds that you know, tells you you have a withdrawal limit, who, you know, is a tell at the teller at the bank that says, you know, sorry, we've closed your account for some reason that you don't know. All those reasons that bank make banks not fun is the exact opposite of what we're trying to do. We're trying to be the fun bank. You want to keep your money with Lolly, keep it growing. We want to add different incentives like interest accounts and things like that. So I mean the idea that I pitched was that I can, you know, this is a product that can get on Good Morning America that can be Edu you know, your your mom, like we were saying, could understand this. You know, my aunt, she buys my cousin's uh, vitamins off of Vitamin World um, and gets Bitcoin back for it for my autistic cousin. And that that's like the impactful thing. It's the humanity, which I think sort of stemmed from my journalism degree, stemmed from um, some of the PR stuff that I've done. Any, any way that you can humanize a brand mm -hmm. uh is impactful, no matter what that may be. Um, and just realizing, I really just pitched the idea that all, all companies are media companies and they've been trying to be, but they didn't realize that they were doing that for quite some time. So the content they produce, whatever it is, um, people, people want to talk to other people. They don't want to talk to brands. They don't, they don't, they want to feel comfortable. They want to engage. They want to, you should have your users want to spend money with you. Mm -hmm. Um, and make them feel that way when they're shopping. Um, so that that's sort of, you know, I, I think not the the exact playbook of how we did it, but no, but it's um, good. The, the the framework, the frame, like I, I I think it's smart. I think the framework's smart, and and you're doing like you go go to go to Aubrey's Twitter, like go to go to <laughs> Lolly's Twitter, like it's it's just fun. And we were speaking before this, we we're saying like you know how to. This is not even a blockchain thing. This is just like a, a marketing in 2021. You mentioned it. Every company is a media company. In my opinion, every person should be a media company too, and building their own brand. Um, so walk me through like the framework for people like this is just a great marketing lesson. How you market Lolly, how you market it on different social channels. Well, I don't know everything you do because I just see some of it, but it, walk me through that. Yeah. I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Gusto. Gusto is the easy online payroll and benefit solution set up for small businesses. So really Gusto is payroll, benefits, onboarding, HR, all in one place. And 
it helps you accomplish all of that, but keep in mind it is built for the business owner. It is a people-first platform. It is the most user-friendly tool that I've ever used. And this is really just to remove all the busy work, all the admin work away from running a business. So let me just list out what it takes care of because it really is an all-in-one. So it does payroll, W-2s, 1099s, health benefits, 401ks, uh, offer letters, onboarding checklists, software setup. They transition your entire business from whatever you're previously using to Gusto, free of charge. They also have on-demand access to HR experts in the platform. You can get unlimited payrolls for a monthly price, automatically file all of your taxes, state and federal. When customers migrate to Gusto, they don't leave. 94% of their customers say that Gusto has dramatically streamlined all of their payroll headaches compared to whatever software they're using before. And three out of their four customers say that they can run their entire company's payroll in under 10 minutes, which is absolutely insane. And a huge, huge, huge savior for anybody that is trying to run a business themselves that doesn't have all the help in-house just yet. Or perhaps they do have the help and they're just not efficient or they're not quick and you want to perhaps scale that person, that's what Gusto can do for you. And they're also offering a great discount for everybody who is a Success Story podcast listener. They're giving you three months free of the tool. So if you go to gusto.com slash Scott, you get three months free of payroll solutions. There's no limitations on your account. So go to gusto.com slash Scott, sign up, and you will remove all of the headache when it comes to running your business. And you can now work on your business as opposed to in your business. Gusto.com slash Scott. I promise you this will get rid of all, all the pain points, all the headache. This will be the best business decision you've ever made. All right, let's get back to the show. Well, I like to say for people who are watching this and they may not know how to guide their company uh, or it maybe even it's just your personal brand, I would say, you know, just start today because there's you might feel like it's too late. Some people feel kind of intimidated by these platforms that maybe that they couldn't have a voice there. I think just start today and be consistent with your content, number one. Um, Lolly on Twitter, really, we've, we've made a huge meme play. And I think people undervalue that. and in a way, and people, companies for a while would say that interns were running social media channels and it's they have no idea what they're talking about. Would you put your entire brand voice in the hands of a, I'm not saying a 20, 21, 22 year old kid couldn't run a great brand for, um, you know, someone, but I'm just like saying somebody that. Somebody who doesn't know all... the brand voice, somebody who doesn't know the brand voice. That's what you don't want to exactly. have. Yeah. Exactly. It's not just and it's not just a summer job or someone we give someone to do because it's not important. It's so important and it needs to be treated that way. And people, you know, make jokes about memes, but there is meme advertising, like hidden messages within meme like activations that happen. It's like yeah. a new strategy that is going on. And so even people even argue they'll be chief meme officers in the future because that kind of content is important for companies to relate and it's easy engagement. Um, so we've we've made our Instagram sort of a meme account. Our Twitter account puts out memes, but it sort of just trends with topics that are happening. So it's just being really, really in tune with the internet's voice. Um, but we also have other channels where we offer, you know, the best Bitcoin back deals um, that you can get on Lolly. But that's more of a, a 
a deals focused social media account, you can go there for that. But if you're going to the Lolly account, you're going there to be entertained to hopefully learn something about Bitcoin, because I do feel like another part of our strategy that I thought was really um, imperative that we had to had to get right was educating people. We can't just bring them in and then not educate them, <laughs> you know, like yeah. once you own Bitcoin, we want to hopefully explain to you why it's better money than people have already and that, and how to take care of that money because Bitcoin, while it is in some ways very simple, it can be very complicated and we want to lower those barriers to entry for people who, you know, maybe they want to take their Bitcoin off of Lolly and put it onto a, a cold storage wallet or a wallet that's not connected to any devices. It's just named for that sort of wallet. So um, we want to be a resource for people. We're, we're trying to help them in every way possible. So I think the educational aspect of that, creating educational content, um, we've been doing that on YouTube. We've been doing that on TikTok. YouTube Shorts has just come out. So we've been trying to yeah. utilize that. It's a little clunky right now, but uh, the platform, but we're, we're trying to utilize those channels. And then, you know, obviously Instagram reels and re really any way we can just meet our user. Um, we've been doing so much education and just sort of a, a Bitcoin 101, 60 second guide, tell you how tell you what blockchain is, tell you what Bitcoin is, tell you, you know, tips, things that you can learn about in the crypto space. And um, yeah, it's it's been successful so far, um, but I think it's just really heavy on the content side. Yeah. So, so that, I think this is a, just, so I think content marketing, you're nailing. If people are listening, watching this, go check out, go check out Lolly's social channels for some practical advice and some, and just some, some best practices. Like we, you know, I look at the companies that do it well, meme accounts do well. Why? Cause it's shareable. It's funny. It's things that people want. You know, there's, there's, how do you win at content? You make stuff that people want to share educational, funny, things like that. That's what people want to share with their friends, family, whatever. So you just apply that to business and also, you know, but you, you've also put yourself out. So that's another thing that you do. That's a little bit different than not, not everybody does that. I I'm a big fan of, of putting yourself out there and building your own brand. You said, even, I don't know if it's a, a video of, I think you put out videos of yourself as well. You said you put out a video once a week. So you've yeah. assumed this uh, personality that that's now associated mm -hmm. with the brand. That's also something. So walk me through why you decided to do that as well, because not everybody does that. Other people, Morning Brew, for example, they do a lot of yeah. Twitter stuff. And now you have the the guy that runs the Morning Brew account, Toby, if I'm not mistaken. He has a little Toby, bit yeah. more of a, a profile, but it's still it's a, it's very heavy on the, you know, the faceless, funny content on Twitter. But you're doing a little bit more. So walk me through that. Yeah, I mean, some of that stuff people may not want to do. A traditional head of comms is not usually making product speeches at conferences and walking through those things. I feel like at a startup, you kind of make yourself accessible in any way you can. And I, you know, I had that background in broadcast journalism and there's just skills that you can find and parts of your career that you can apply later on. And so being on camera is something I feel very comfortable, familiar with doing. So we create Lolly TV, we created Lolly TV, which is this weekly Friday show where we run through the Bitcoin news of the week. We do like a, a meme review. We give you the best Bitcoin back deals. And then we do a giveaway at the end. So there's a little something in there for everyone. And then we keep it about a three minute show. So hopefully people are being educated on what's going on in the market and in, in a fun way that's not intimidating, that is also being told in the right way because the mainstream media can obviously change the narrative. And, and, you know, we all know how the news cycle can be. It's not always like the most accurate portrayal of what's actually happening. Um, and so that strategy, um, 
you know, YouTube is the largest search, the second largest search engine, and people kind of forget about that. You know, Google, everyone's trying to rank for SEO and Google. Why not YouTube? Why not become this source that people want to go to 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 learn about Bitcoin on YouTube? There's a lot of people that are already doing that, but hopefully we do it in a, in a more digestible way. People think about SEO strictly as, you know, Google, but YouTube has one of the largest search engines. And so if you can get early into, it's not all industries, obviously the crypto space is a little bit more nascent. So getting in there and while people haven't totally taken over YouTube is a good opportunity. So that's sort of what we're trying to do over at Lolly, um, get that content out there, try to educate people as best as we can. And hopefully that will keep them into the space for the long term. And we're really just trying to convert people, not just this. I know people hear about these tokens that are like these short term, get quick, get rich quick scams. That's not what we're trying to do. We're really trying to promote a revolution or a financial shift for people. So hopefully that's that's the, you know, the goal. Hopefully, and, you know, Lolly ranks high when that's all said and done as a resource to people looking to learn and earn Bitcoin. Um, and you, and you, I think that's one of the main things you, you have this responsibility to be an educator because you are that consumer product and there is so much, there is so much bullshit in the industry. And that's what, that's, what's really important that the people that, you know, the entry points in the industry are, are the good actors. And I think that that's something that you're doing, you're doing quite well. So even like, you know, you can, you can brag a bit, like, uh, what has Lolly's growth been like over the past, uh, I guess, two years since you've been running their comms? And by comms, is that is it a stress to say VP marketing? Are you running everything? Are you just running comms? Do you have a team? What's your setup? Yeah, so comms is marketing as well. Um, mostly the brand side and influencer side. So it's unique to Lolly that went, first of all, we're up to 300,000, over 300,000 users. When we started, I think we were at 20,000 users. So it's been quite a jump. We've seen crazy month over month growth during the past six months. And it's just an exciting time to obviously be building, you know, in this space, which is generally. Um, and with Lolly, um, you know, we have a lot of influencers. We just raised uh, 5 million in a pre-series A. Um, and we just actually closed our A. So we'll be announcing that soon. But the pre-series A, we yes. had... Influ Thank you very much. Uh, we had influencers sort of be a part of these rounds. So it, usually we have a VC lead the round and then have other people, creators actually come in and invest uh, in Lolly because we do feel like those influencer activations are kind of better when, like any, like I was saying, have they have skin in the game or, or just, you know, equity in a company. Um, they're more likely to promote something that they hope succeeds. And so we have people like Michelle Fan. We had Serena Williams um, invest in the last round and Alexis Ohanian led the round. So, you know, people that can promote on their channels is almost a better tactic than just traditional PR because the engagement and the reach that some of these people had, like Cody Co, for example, put out a 30 second uh, ad for us an ad read on his one of his channels and we saw a crazy jump um, in signups to Lolly after that and it's the really the power of these creators to influence their audience and get them to understand Bitcoin and, and projects that they're invested in and that they're excited about is 
un, unreal and, and not even fully tapped into. I know influencer marketing feels like it's, you know, everyone's doing it and has some play. A lot of people aren't. And so I would, I would, you know, I guess pose the question to a lot of these traditional companies, you know, PR is not the total comp strategy anymore. A lot of that is influencer. Um, and so we have some more influencers that are coming around um, in the, in the A. So they'll be announced too, and they can drive, you know, uh, signups on their own channels. And, and that really stretches so, so far compared to maybe just having Lolly mentioned in the CNBC article, which is still has value. It's still good. But who reads all the way down to the end of an article? You know, some, a lot of people are listening to podcasts. They'll hear that ad or, you know, who's watching someone's YouTube channel and they'll, they'll see Lolly there for sure. So, um, it's, it's just an interesting way in, of how people are consuming content. I think we're moving away from traditional aspects of finance. We're d- moving away from traditional finance of marketing, of PR. And there is a huge shift that's happening. And I has been happening for a while, but I think has been really, um, I would consider people to take a look at. That's, I mean, I think it's been happening since basically the pandemic, but it's it's... Yeah been sped up now and people are reevaluating a lot of the systems that they used to once trust. Um, and that's reading our news articles. That's their banks, that's everything. Every there is a, yeah. So like ma- you know, massive shift in, in many institutions, like in, obviously you're dealing in, in, in disrupting finance and financial institutions, but also like you nailed it. Like everything has changed the way we market, the way we sell, the way ever, the way we communicate over the past two years has been like a like a digital transformation on steroids in like forced on every industry, which I think is also very interesting. So, you know, it's just great to see like how, yeah, you're working in leading edge blockchain. That's great. But it's not just that. It's also you're leading the way in marketing and influencer marketing and how you communicate with your customers and how you present information and how you and how you bring people in and build a community around the people that you want to use Lolly and to try Lolly. Um, I'm curious when when you're dealing because normally if you have a company, of course, maybe if markets are if if you're in a bull market or a bear market in, in a traditional in a traditional sense, uh, it would of course affect some companies, but when you're dealing with, you know, Lolly that is blockchain and Bitcoin adjacent, does the shifting markets impact signups, you know, customer acquisition, or does it seem to not have an impact at all? I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Ladder. A little bit of context before I I speak about Ladder. Ladder offers life insurance. But the reason why I wanted to work with them is because I personally am a huge advocate of life insurance. And the reason being, uh, the past two years with COVID, a lot of people have uh, lost loved ones. Fortunately, not I haven't lost anybody in the past two years, but I have lost people, uh, friends, far before their time, you know, uh, years ago. And it usually happens that when somebody younger passes away, when they're just starting their life or they're just starting their family, they aren't properly set up. They don't have coverage. And when they pass, all the costs are passed on to their family. And I've seen that stress that falls onto loved ones, spouses, family. Uh, it's just a horrible time. And the added financial stress is not worth it. And it's not something that I would ever wish on anybody who's already dealing with the loss of a loved one. And it just so happens that when it happens unexpectedly for a younger individual, there's a better chance that they haven't looked into life insurance yet. So I'm a 
big advocate of life insurance in general, but I'm very happy with what Ladder is doing because they are basically removing any friction in how you can apply and get life insurance. So they are all digital. So no doctors, no needles, no sign up, no paperwork. You go online, you submit your information, you can, you can get approved. They have an algorithm that will approve you for up to $3 million without speaking to anybody. If you want to speak to somebody, you can, they have that option, but this is meant to be as frictionless as possible. And they also make it very user-friendly, consumer-friendly. So the fee they quote you, that's the fee, no fees, cancel anytime. Of course, with life insurance, the earlier you sign up, the cheaper it's gonna be, um, and you can carry that rate through until forever. So they've really done it well, and they've modernized the process of purchasing life insurance. So I would recommend that everybody, you know, they set up a link for everybody who's listening to this podcast. I would recommend and advocate that everybody goes and checks out Ladder. They're a great sponsor, um, but I am just an advocate for having life insurance. So I think that this is something that you should, you know, it behooves you to start to look into it. If you want to get a quote, uh, go to ladder.com slash success story. So that is ladder.com slash success story. And you can get instantly approved. If you just want to start to investigate, I think that's a great idea. If you want to purchase, you can also, like I said, get approved, purchase for up to $3 million online in about three minutes without talking to anybody. So I would definitely recommend you go check them out um, and do yourself and do your family a favor and set yourself up. God forbid something happens. You just don't want to have that stress and that burden on your family. All right, let's get back to the show. Yeah, I mean, when people, when the market's up and it's crazy hot like it was, I think the peak of Bitcoin in this last run, and we'll see where it ends up this year, uh, was around the Coinbase IPO. So I think that was end of mm -hmm. April. Um, and, you know, we've had definitely steady signups. But I think, I think what has happened in the past two years is a change that is not going to be completely undone. Yes, I think, you know, there's obviously more signups when, Bitcoin's at an all-time high than when it's not at an all-time high. Um, but I think the behaviors and the changes and what we've seen, how we've seen people approach finance has changed drastically. And that's talking about people who are on Robinhood buying, you know, the meme stocks or doing whatever that. I think there was a shift in traditional finance, a shift into crypto. All these um, institutions are adopting it in some capacity. So while, yeah, it's obviously more advantageous when the market's hot, um, with Lolly, it's actually better to be, you know, earning Bitcoin at lower prices. And so that's where the educational aspect comes in, because if you're earning Bitcoin at 60,000, that's great. But right now you could be earning it at 32. And hopefully, you know, when those rewards that those rewards lock in. And in a few months, you could have paid off the, for the item that you bought. So that's the sort of mindset and the way that people sort of should be thinking about um, their money. You should always be getting a kickback for anything that you're purchasing. So that whether that be credit card points, whatever reward points, the, the system is so gamified now, you should really be taking like full, full advantage of it. So you can be buying things on Lolly, getting Bitcoin back at low prices during what do you want to call it a bear market or, or whatever, um, and getting credit card points too. So it's thinking about 
you know, your finances in that way. And under that lens, I think that's sort of our job to just educating people at how they can be saving the most money, earning the most money, setting themselves up for the best future possible. Mm -hmm. And, and, and yeah, that's the, now, now I, I think that this is one of those tools to be able to do that. One of, one of the many tools that are now being, you know, you mentioned there's the roadmap for Lolly and you're looking at potential interest uh, products. You're looking, I think you said you were building an app at one point. I don't know what that app does, but this is sort of like the first step in, in creating that, that reward focus and that customer focused product that's tapping into a completely new market. So what, I'm just curious, what, what is on the roadmap for Lolly? What's, what's next? Yeah, so obviously Bitcoin's global and we want to be a global company. Right now we are only US focused and the idea behind Bitcoin and the philosophy of, you know, Satoshi Nakamoto, the synonymous creator of Bitcoin was to uh, have Bitcoin reach all parts of the world. And it does that. Uh, right now you can only earn in the US. So we're, we're, we have US merchants. That's how our partnerships are set up but expanding internationally to other countries so that people around the world have the opportunity to be earning with Lolly. Everyone has Lolly on their phone. We just launched the app for iOS. We're coming out with the app for Android, hopefully very, very soon. It's it's almost done. We're trying to get to our Android users. Um, and then, yeah, we're going to basically offer just different sort of products that make it more intuitive. Um, I think what's really great about Wally and our the kind of the UX UI that we have is that it is so seamless where people shouldn't feel like they're using blockchain technology because your everyday people are not going to be crypto experts. They don't want to be, you know, they, they they're not interested in DeFi. They just want some sort of store of value, um, some sort of way to to hold on to their wealth. And so I feel like that's sort of more of the lane that we're we're trying to achieve. Nothing complicated. You can sign up in 30 seconds. You can get going. Um, but you are using Bitcoin. You are owning Bitcoin. So it's like the, the seamlessness of it. People don't need to know the nuances like the Internet. You don't need to know how the Internet works to use the Internet. So why would you? Need? Same thing applies to Bitcoin and a crypto. Um, and then I guess just... You know, I'm going to draw out some career insights from you, just like some rapid fire questions at the end. But um, you, this is probably a question that every every podcaster or interviewer would, would ask you. But I have to ask because it's on this show. So future of Bitcoin, future of blockchain, but also, you know, like where where's Bitcoin going to be in 10 years from now? 10 years. So Bitcoin's only been around for about 12. So that feels like a crazy jump. Um, I've been in the space for half the time Bitcoin's been around and it feels slow and it feels fast all at the same time. I would say that you see uh, developments like El Salvador adopting Bitcoin as legal tender in their country, which is great. Um, I think it'll sort of start with countries who need a, their, their currency, their fiat's hyperinflated. They need another um, and then hopefully expand out from there. I think it's not going to come without a fight. I think any time that there is power, uh, people don't give away power freely. You look at history, history of time, just even in our country and how America was founded, it's not something that's going to come easily. And so I think there'll be some bumps in the road in terms of price and, and things like that. But the, the internet's currency. It'll be a, a mm -hmm. internet currency that everyone has access to. And the applications that 
are built on Bitcoin and, and the companies building around it will be a lot more simple than it is right now. Um, you won't even really think about it as cryptocurrency. You'll just think about it as money. And uh, hopefully it will make for more uh, level playing field for people all around the world to transact, which is, is the you, dream and the goal. Definition of, of a Bitcoin maximalist. Does that mean that it will completely replace entrenched institutions eventually? Is that what that definition? Because I, I hear it a lot. And I was going to ask you if you are one, but I need to get the definition right first. So what is that? What does it mean exactly? Bitcoin, ma Bitcoin maximalist. Yeah. <laughs> maximalist is someone who just believes in Bitcoin and only holds Bitcoin. So they see it as the future. They're pro Bitcoin and Bitcoin only. They don't hold alternative coins or altcoins such as Ethereum or um, sort of other protocols. So they they're mm -hmm. very much a purist, if that okay. makes sense, in the crypto yeah. space. Yeah. Um, so this and, is not. Am, oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> am I one? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I own other coins because I think Ethereum, there's applications like Ethereum that allow for DeFi, um, and I think you can build upon it. It's very interesting. I don't know, you know, where DeFi space is going, but I think there is, you know, the applications that are being built and the smart contracts that are being utilized on DeFi are game changing in the same way that bank, the way that, you know, Bitcoin is changing the bank situation. You can do lending. Um, you, you, for a lot of reasons, you don't need lawyers to operate some of these deals that are happening yeah. on DeFi. And so, there's obviously a market for that to happen. Um, and you can sort of agree instead of having to deal uh, with lawyers and you know other institutions telling you, you know, what rates you're borrowing and lending at, you can sort of figure that out on your own. So um, there is a future, there's a path there. Um, but in terms of store value and coins that have, are gonna make it the long term, Bitcoin's the answer. And this is not financial advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, we'll, that's, that's the caveat. Um, um, and uh, and then I guess I'm just curious, what are some other, you know, consumer applications in blockchain uh, that people may not know about that people should go check out? Um, yeah, great, great question. I think BlockFi is great. I think you can, you know, we don't have an interest earning right now, but you can, um, I guess it's not super consumer, but it's, it's uh, yeah, it is consumer. Yeah. I think it's a great way for people to get on, like just onboarded that, you know, want to even just make extra, extra money on their Bitcoin as if it's not making enough money already. Um, and then there's, I would say like, it just depends sort of what you're interested in. If, if it's more Bitcoin focused or if you're more into these other currencies, you know, I would lead you a different way. Um, I'm really excited about the NFT space. I think that's really cool for creators and consumers to, um, so places like OpenSea Marketplace, um, it's a great way to sort of start using Ethereum and, and like figuring out how NFTs work, um, creating your own art, selling your own art. I think that's great. Um, there's so many different creators that are, didn't have a place to sell, um, didn't feel like crypto was for them. And now they're selling their artwork on these platforms. So that's really interesting as well. 
That's a whole other episode. I'm because I actually I saw I, that was what you wrote. You're up. That was the piece that you wrote. I think for one of one of the pieces you wrote for NBC or CNBC. I can't remember which one it was, but that was what it was about about scarcity and NFTs and whatnot. I'm like, oh my god, it's a whole other thing that I'd love to go into. But that's like, <laughs> yeah, you know. uh, called the artist scarcity. It was like uh, talking about people's uh, NFT that went for you know. A, quite a bit of money and so yeah. just how, how our perceived uh notions about value are formed because value as a concept and this could be a whole episode too is totally changed what what has value and what doesn't have value and that's that's that that is the whole conversation at, the, <laughs> at, at its core from from that's what yeah. that's what people speak about when it comes to 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 bitcoin and 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 where it gets its value from and then what actually is value and how do we actually apply value to certain items and it's very yeah. it's a very interesting conversation um okay so let's do some let's do some rapid fire career insights you've had an incredible career you're working in a bleeding edge space uh you're killing it you grew lolly um obviously with the help of an incredible team but also you're raising a series a so you know credits do where credits do and you've done a really good job with that um so people want to learn from you okay biggest challenge in your career how did you overcome it Hmm. Sorry, so as rapid as I. <laughs> no, no, no. By rapid, I just mean like I know you want to like it's like Friday when recording this. You don't want to spend like another like forty five minutes going through some oh. career questions. So I was just like take as much time as you need, but there, there, you don't have to go too, too in depth. Biggest challenge, I think it was sort of knowing when to leave a company when the end of the road is, you know. You've, you've done all you can do and now you're ready for the next beginning. I think that when you're younger, you feel like you need to stay or be at a company for a, a, a period of time to validate yourself. And I don't think that's totally true. I think I wish I would have trusted my gut earlier when I first knew, you know, I'm ready for a new challenge. I need to move on to something else. Um, because I, I, I just think if there's something, it's hard to trust your gut early on in your career and you feel like you need to do all these things, but I, I really just feel like there's no rules anymore and you can, you can really go out and make and do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. This is my whole pitch on the, on the shift from traditionalism to modern day. It's good advice. And I think that that's something that, yes, it's difficult earlier on in your career, but it's more important to be okay with that now than ever when nothing is for sure. And that's something that, you know, the past two years have definitely told us no job, doesn't matter what it is, is secure because you can be gone tomorrow Exactly. You know, if, if things don't work out. So set yourself up for success, future proof yourself. Yeah. And, and I would add to that. Cool like, shit, you know? Yeah. I, I think that there, the traditional shift from your parents used to work at companies for 20, 30 years out of this loyalty and companies are businesses while it is fun to grow something i want people young people especially to know that if the company couldn't pay tomorrow they would fire you or if they, today they would fire you and yeah. it's important to see your company as a team um instead of a family and i think a lot of maybe it's more startup -y places feel that way you will go and work for like a hedge fund or big bank or something like that you, you get more of the traditional aspect of it it's seen as just a job but i think it's always important to know that you have just as you know much say in the relationship between yourself and the company as they do so very good advice um okay so the biggest misconception that you had about bitcoin blockchain whatever when you went into 
the industry and how has that perception changed over your career? Misconception is that it was being used for money laundering and only criminal use, criminals use crypto. And I would say that it's actually easier to trace transactions on a blockchain than it is to get out of an ATM and then do some dirty dealings with money. Find the cash, yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. You get $20. I mean, bills are obviously, they are, they're marked, but like you could hide money under a mattress. You get money can go anywhere. You do. You'll never find it again. You'll never know where it is after it's gone. And crypto is a ledger. There are a lot of these cryptocurrencies and, and Bitcoin is on a ledger. Um, unless it's a strict privacy coin, pretty much track all transactions. And so people used to like to throw that at uh, the community to try to say that it wasn't here for good reasons or was just being used for illicit purposes. And it's totally not being used for that. Um, you know, I'm sure in every single industry, there is corruption of some sort. And people are always going to find a way to make something bad. If it's good, you can make it bad. But um, yeah, that's just not true. <laughs> no, that's, that's fair. And I've heard that. I've heard that before. But you're, you, the, I think that the community has evolved. And I think that that stems from a lack of really understanding of what it was more than yeah. anything. But that's, I'm not going to lie. There was the Silk Road for a period of time. People were using it for bad, for bad. But that's not what it is now. And But people are always using cash and all sorts of gold and yeah. diamonds, whatever you want to. Some asset has always been used in a bad way. If it can, mm -hmm. if it can do it, it will be used in a bad way. Um, if you could tell your younger self one thing, what would it be? Um, bet harder on yourself. I would say, um, I I'm under the belief that there's no passion. There's a quote from Nelson Mandela that, you know, there's no passion in life by playing small or living a life that you're less capable of living. And I think that in most circumstances I've gone for raising my hand, making the jumps that I could have, um, but I think if, if I could have done it even more or just pushed myself a little bit harder in different circumstances, it definitely would have paid off. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with where I'm at right now. I just think that it's always hard to be sure of yourself when you're so young. It's unsure of everything all the time. Mm -hmm. I like that. I, that, was, that, was a, that was a powerful line. Bet harder on yourself. That's, that's good. That, that's quotable. I like that. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah. Uh, one person who had an incredible impact on your life, who was it and how did they impact you? Did they teach you something, et cetera? These are such great questions. I love them. <laughs> um, I, I would have to say uh, my mom really impacted me and uh, if we're talking about a personal level or someone that I know, it, it would have to be my mom. She's just um, unlike any person I've ever met in terms of just a truly good person. Um, but she taught me to have empathy in a way that I think helped me develop my interpersonal. Like I can read humans well, which is added to my career in a way where I can understand situations I'm in, read a room really well. And it just made me so self-aware. 
And I don't know if I had that as a child, but I just remember this instance when uh, we had gotten done with a hike at, off of uh, this mountain by ASU when I was growing up in Arizona. And there was a woman that was just wrapped in this blanket and it was the middle of summer. And I, I was sort of an observant child, but I asked my mom about those, about that. And um, she said, this person's homeless. You know, they might need food. Would you like to get food for them? And I was like, yeah, I would love to do that. And so that, that was one of my earliest memories of my mom also encouraging kindness and encouraging. It's not just the awareness that you have for other people in the room. It's like, how can I help them? And how can, you know, what are the needs that they have? Put myself in their shoes. What could I possibly learn from this person or what they're going through? And she's just a really beautiful person. Uh, anytime we pass a car well, we were meant to go this way because we we're meant to pray for these people and hopefully that, you know, they're in an accident. And it's just a wow. different mindset of like thinking about other people. And I don't, if I think like, if I didn't have my, my mom as a mother, I would have I'd definitely been a shittier person. She's like the best person. <laughs> She's the best. She's, just, she just makes you have so much empathy for other people. Um, and I learned it all from her. Amazing. Um, can you recommend uh, a book, podcast, Audible, something that somebody should go check out? Bitcoin focused or just general? <laughs> anything? No, no, no. Anything that you, anything that you've read that has had an impact on your life doesn't matter. Doesn't have to be Bitcoin focused. All right, I'll give one Bitcoin focus and then one not. Yeah, sure. uh, the Bitcoin standard. It it doesn't talk about Bitcoin the whole time. It really is just an evolution of money and how we've gotten to where we are today. And I think that actually makes people understand Bitcoin more, not just learning about Bitcoin. It's how, is, how has our systems failed us in the past and how have governments failed us? How have banks failed us? And how have we gotten to this point where we need an alternative? So that's my recommendation for Bitcoin. And then I think a book that I've returned to at different periods of my life, I think is always a great to reread re because art, literature, uh, movies, all these things, they can have different meanings in different parts of your life, I think, as a young person, you know, when you're sort of in your working years and then when you're older is um, Tuesdays by, Mo uh, sorry, Tuesdays with Maury by Mitch Album. And it's a, it's a really good book about life's lessons um, as someone's sort of dying from um, ALS. So hmm. it's an interesting, it's just an interesting read. Makes good, you put things good in examples. The perspective yeah that's those are those are two two new ones two well you know I, like i said I, I haven't had a lot of people that are as into bitcoin blockchain as you are so i expected the bitcoin standard um or something like similar like that but never never that other one so that's a good that's a good recommendation for sure i right. love when people bring in like non-business books because i don't know there's a lot of business books that i keep you know they come up again and again and again and i like learning from half the reason why i started the show is to learn from people that have perspective that's just not a carbon copy of every other business perspective out there so i think it's that's that's a good place to learn from yeah um, I, I just like the book because it's like a lot of the life lessons also can be applied to business i think you don't have to read yeah. a business or a self-help book to find parallels into different parts of your life yeah exactly exactly okay um and then last question uh what does success mean to you Success, hopefully, would be helping someone else breathe e easier in their 
someone alleviate some stress from people's lives. And hopefully I'm trying to do this at a large scale. Um, I, I have, I've had a few conversations about this recently and I think success sometimes just feels like fame or notoriety or all those things, but there's also success in this way where I was talking to actually Alex C of Lolly about um, just the impact that you can be remembered for just the smallest things. Um, there's this woman that I used to go to this restaurant. It was called Luby's in Arizona. And she would always give me, you know, as a little kid, she always give me this flower from her hair. And it was just this kindness. She, she just worked a normal job at a diner, but I remember her 20 years later. And it's like these small gestures that you can do for someone that, that is remembered for 20 years. I sort of hope that whatever I do, if that's helping get, people into Bitcoin 20 years from now that they're like, you know, I remember this one girl who just told me about Bitcoin and now I, I have set my, I have a retirement account or something like that, that hopefully that that is success. I also would love to have a family one day and a, a beach house in Jersey. So <laughs> I would love a shore house if that's love possible. A shore house. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. Well, listen. Um, you know what? I think you're. I think you're. Uh, you're. You're. Uh, you're living. You're living some of the um, some of the personality traits of your of your mom more than you know. Just with that answer, that's at least that's what I see. Um, that's a that's a very nice that's a very nice definition of success. Regardless, the beach house aside, that's a, that's a good I mean, definition. I mean, of success. I'm not gonna lie. I want to help people, but I also. If I have a beach house at some point in my life, I'm like, okay, if I'm by the beach, that's all I need. Just put me by the ocean. <laughs> I feel that. I feel, listen, that's why, that's why I'm in Florida right now. <laughs> you're in the wrong city. Yeah, you're I, in the I, wrong I, city. I am. <laughs> I really um, am. Okay. Okay. Let's see. Uh, where do people go to connect with you? Uh, website, social, whatever you want to get. Twitter.com, at Aubrey Strobel. Follow Lolly, sign up for Lolly, lolly.com, and then at Try Lolly. Uh, that's Twitter's my main channels. And then, you know, we have all our social channels linked on our website so you can follow us along there. But definitely sign up, start earning free Bitcoin with Lolly. That's, that's, uh, that's my pitch. <laughs> awesome. That's, that's it. That's, that's all I got. got. That, that was, uh, that that was, was perfect. perfect. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. 
efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information, but Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone, and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay, and what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch U.S.-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the 
best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. Thank you so much indeed for sponsoring Success Story. For all business leaders out there, Indeed is a lifesaver. See, we're always driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You're going to ditch the busy work and you're going to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 